Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Hey, it's a special drop from Digital Voices. I'm so excited that we have the opportunity to be involved in a, a major, major announcement that will really help transform healthcare as we know it. We talk a lot about that and we've seen some progress and, and certainly through COVID, as we all know, we've seen a great acceleration, but we wanna keep our foot on that gas pedal. And so we get a chance to speak with a CEO of a very progressive company that is leading the way. And again, a major announcement today. So we've coincided this special drop just to highlight this because I think it is a game changer. So before we get started, uh, DJ Sid, curious, you know, have you dreamed of being a CEO? And if so, what kind of company would you lead? That's a good question. I don't think that's ever been a particular dream of mine, but if I had to be a CEO of any company, it would probably be my own dog fostering company. <laughs> oh yeah, that's cool. But I'm sure, I'm sure in that you would do some digital transformation. Oh, for sure. So yeah, that that's great. And the fun part for you and I is we get to speak to CEOs all the time, and it's so insightful in all the things that you can learn and apply. So even if it's outside of the realm of healthcare. Um, it's great because you get a lot of great ideas about leadership. So we're gonna pull some of that out as well. So we have Alan Portella, who is the CEO of Airstrip, and he's been CEO or COO of other companies that we'll, t we'll talk about as well. And we've known each other, Alan, I was thinking back since like 2010, maybe? Yes. Back when I was at Texas Health Resources, and we were leading the way back then. So back then, it wasn't about digital transformation. At least those weren't the words that were used, but it was the mobile revolution. So iPhone had just come out, other sort of modalities, and people were thinking, oh, how is this going to change healthcare? And we were fortunate to be one of the leaders in, in the world with the mobile, and we were very progressive. And one of the reasons for that was our utilization of one of or perhaps the first product out of Airstrip, which was Airstrip OB, and the, and the physicians loved it. And I remember we had testimonials of saving people's lives. You know, the patients obviously were were mothers, pregnant mothers, or mothers about to give birth. And uh, we leveraged that technology and we're saving people's lives. And so I've been a follower ever since, Alan, of of you and your your company and and what you what you've done. And I remember even at the Cleveland Clinic, uh, like progressing. You know, ten years later. We're using your your product and, and as you expand it. And I don't want to tell too much of the story because I, I know you're going to hit on it, but it was saving lives as well. So I just love love what you're doing. And so that's why I'm thrilled to just be a part of it. So welcome, Alan, to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. It's a pleasure. And, and yes, it's been an incredible decade of knowing you. Yeah. So, Alan, what everyone wants to know on our podcast there are two questions that we start off with. And first one is, what is your favorite music? What kind of music do you like to listen to? Well, so, you know, I live at a very, very fast pace all the time. And I probably work about 12 hours a day, seven days a week. So when I listen to music, 
I I like to listen to Gregorian chants. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's sacred songs in Latin. It kind of like connects me to a level that totally relaxes me. So I, I do need to find that in music. If I get something that is very heavy, then I will not be able to to find that balance. No, I, I, I love that. And I have some as well. And I even have some, it's not quite the same because it's not as uh, perhaps, what's the word? For lack of a better word, I'll say holy. But, you know, I have that whole series of Gregorian chants around Christmas music. And um, and it was quite popular for some time. I, I, I don't know if that band is still around, but uh, I love I love listening to it, and 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 that's a great. I, I love the answer because that's the first time I think DJ said that we heard someone say Gregorian chant. So that's a little different, right? It's not. And I do uh, know. Or, I do yeah, know the cool. the band you're talking about is Enigma. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, I I love that. Now that it's around Thanksgiving time, I, I guess I'm, I have permission to listen to that music for the next month and a half or so. But anyways. Do you have a certain uh, words that you live by or a passion or life mantra? You know, how, word, yeah, words that you live by, perhaps. Yeah, so I, you know, it's interesting when you were asking Sydney about if she ever had a dream about a, being a CEO of a company and what is that she would like to do. And, and I, I start by saying that I was very fortunate early in life that First, that I experienced very difficult times. And I say fortunate because I learned a lot of lessons from very challenging uh, times during my childhood. And, and that gave me the opportunity to know that I wanted to lead. Always I wanted to lead. I didn't want to be the one that was sitting on the sidelines. And I think if I watch movies, it was patterned. If I wanted a sport, it would be soccer and really uh, see the importance of a team, the importance of a team. Uh, So what happens is from early in in my life, it it was always about helping others in the moment they needed the most. So I would say that that's my life mantra. That is my mission. And if I look at healthcare, that will be helping others at the moment of care. Different today than what it used to be when we were a hospital-centric system, which was helping others at the point of care. Now it's at the moment of care. That means helping others virtually. That's the only way you can do that at the moment of care, when the clinical yeah. event happens. Yeah, no, that, that's great. And that, those are some great analogies that reminded me of a series that we had done recently talking about when did you first know that you were a leader? And for, for many, it was really early in life. And so it's interesting to hear you uh, speak about that. And that's something else we might unpack at some other time because I, I love that topic. So you found yourself, so we're going to uh, ask you to introduce yourself, uh, you know, both personally and professionally. Alan, you know, obviously, you also have an accent, so please include that part in, in your story about who you are. Uh, you know, where did you originally come from and, and how that form and shape who you are? So, yeah, maybe spend two or three minutes telling us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get right into sort of the, you know, digital transformation. 
Perfect. Well, <laughs> yes, I do have an accent and I have a story about my accent. So my, my dad was a, a scientist with three PhDs, physics, mathematics, and biology. And he was teaching at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. So while he was teaching there, I was born at Emory University, a hospital in Atlanta. And then when I was two years old, my dad and my mom, they went back to Argentina. They are originally from Argentina. So I always say that I have a deep South accent from <laughs> Argentina because definitely the connection with Atlanta is there. I was very fortunate also of being able, I mean, being a U.S. citizen because, of course, there were times in Argentina when I was referring to the difficult times that I grew up in, in uh, Argentina was always in, always subject to a lot of challenges with uh, terrorism. And I grew up, uh, my dad was working for the U.S. government as a scientist, and we always had bodyguards. I, I've seen things that if, if we, we are fortunate in this country that only a few have seen those things, but hopefully never in their life. And... Um, and then I will say in 1982, I had to leave Argentina because there was a war against England and because of my dad's connection with the U.S. At the time, it was recommended by his bodyguards that they needed to put me on a plane and, and send me out of Argentina. So that was 1982 when I was 21 years old. Wow. Yeah, very interesting. So ultimately, you find yourself in healthcare and, and digital and, and becoming a CEO. And, and you were leading digital, you know, when I think about your background, uh, long before we called it digital. And so one of the things we all often want to learn from and hear about, Alan, is as a CEO, so from a CEO perspective of digital, and then we're going to, we're, then we're going to talk about what's going to, what's happening today as we, as we drop this uh, podcast. Um, what are one or two key learnings as CEO? I mean, you've been this longtime leader now in digital. What, what are one or two things that, that you think our audience of other digital leaders would be interested in? Yes. So the, the important thing on, if, if I look at things that influence my journey, it, one definitely is that you have to be always an expert at what you do. You have to continuously study your uh, technology, the things, the problems that you are trying to solve, the needs uh, of your customers. And I always remember uh, the book Tipping Point, where the author talks about you have to have within your organization always connectors, mavens, and influencers. And I, I agree that within your organization, you always have to have those three types of individuals. But to be the CEO, you have to have the three within you. <laughs> yes. You have to be a maven. You have to know what you're doing. You have to be an influencer. And that comes from knowledge. And you have to be a connector. And that comes from respect, respect and trust that others have for you. So that's one thing. The second part is, it's the people, the people that you meet along the way, that if you are open to the universe, 
you're going to be introduced to the people that are going to be the game changers with you. And if I had to look at my journey, it, because of my connection through my dad as a scientist, when I came to this country at 21, I was so fortunate. He introduced me to a, one of his friends, Dr. Peter Thoma. He spoke 15 languages. He was today considered the father of machine translations. He was doing natural language parsing at Georgetown University since 1969 to translate Russian into English for the Central Intelligence Agency. And he developed the computer program to do that. So that was my first job, working with somebody like Dr. Thoma. Then if I continue that journey, I went to work for a company, Clinicomp, in healthcare in 1993. And it was a Chris Harden's job a physicist and other scientists that had a relentless pursuit for perfection and applied the technology to be able to help customers. It was then Dr. Neil Martin, former a, a chief of neurosurgery at UCLA Medical Center. It was him working on developing mobile solutions in 19, I was, sorry, 2003. 2004, before the iPhone was presented to the market. We were early in mobility in 2003 or 2004. It was an, a physician, Cameron Powell, that received funding. It was an obstetrician in 2010 that brought me into Airstrip with funding from Sequoia Venture Capital that also helped me to go through this journey, but it was always those people that are the experts at what they do. And of course, today, I'm very fortunate that I have a Dr. Patrick Sunshon as my main investor and, and partner in this a trans, a journey for transformation. Yeah, no, that's fa that's fabulous. And yeah, Malcolm Gladwell, the, the Tipping Point, excellent book, and I, and I love what what you bring out of that and how important that is as a leader, as a CEO, is the the maven, the connector, and the influencer. And to your point, many of us will be good in one or two of those, but as CEO, it's really important that you are you are uh, working well in all three of those domains and certainly has made a difference in your career, Alan, and, and your ability to really bring about transformation in healthcare. Yeah, so you've, you're, you're right here on the edge about the big news today. So Tell us a little bit about what, what's happening today. I know a press release is going out. You know, what, what's the big news uh, that, that you want to share? Well, so first I want to talk about transformation, if you don't mind. Sure. <laughs> because the path to transformation is not just something that you do <laughs> all of a sudden. It's really, we put a system in place at Airstrip for the last decade where we spend 45% of all our resources and thoughts on core technology, the things that we do today and the things that our customers need today. 40% we spend it on adjacencies, things that we can expand to that are going to help the same customer base and adjacent customers. And then 15%, we put it on transformational initiatives. If you do this right, in three years from today, 
45% of your revenues will come from the 15% that was transformational three years before. 15% of your revenues will come from that 45% that was your core business. So you have to continuously yeah. disrupt yourself. So Airstrip has been an incredible company for us because we were able to innovate a lot on core business, which was connecting to a lot of medical devices, ICUs, emergency departments, as you mentioned, obstetrics. Today, we cover one out of every six babies born in the U.S. Months during labor are monitored by physicians using our tools. So that's our core business. We advance a lot into adjacencies and transformational solutions today. So I would say that Airstrip was great as a way to take off from an airstrip and to land on an airstrip. Now that we landed, now it's all about transforming. And for transformation, we need to take this to the, ne the next level. And we are creating a new company. And th that company is going to be powered by airstrip and all the tools and the teams that we have. The new company is called Adjuber, which in Latin means to help out. And it's A-D-J-U-V-A-R-E. Well, that's exciting. So, uh, so yeah, today's the, the big day where through, through press release and other means that Adjuver becomes this new transformative uh, company in healthcare being powered by, by Airstrip. So that's super, super excited. And you mentioned your partner and and can you speak a little bit about that and that that partnership? So you got Airstrip powering this this new company, and 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 then you have a partner that will also be helpful. And and what is that partnership bringing to the table in terms of probably uh, like with an MI um, machine learning or AI uh, artificial intelligence? Well, so first of all, we both share that life mantra or mission, Dr. Sunshan and myself, which is to help out, to help out others in need. So that's why we have this name, Adjuver. And if you look in the dictionary, the word help out is to share the burden of something with another person. It's to really partner with those customers to be able to help them out. I, will, I always like to, to share an experience I had with, with Patrick this was about two years ago when I was mentioning to Patrick that we had a very close collaboration with the Cleveland Clinic, your <laughs> a previous place. And I was mentioning that we were now moving into advanced precision cardiac wave analysis. And I explained to him how we were using mathematical algorithms to look for the fiducial points into a waveform, the PQRST of an ECG, lead two of an ECG. And that like other companies, the limitation was how accurate you can get that waveform analysis. And when he looked at that and he saw what he was doing in the area of cancer, he said, Alan, if we bring our machine learning team that is working today on V2 
detecting behaviors of cancer cells, but we applied that towards and reading an ECG and placing those fiducial points in that lead of the ECG, this will this will revolutionize healthcare. So he placed he gave me a team of machine learning experts, and within 90, 120 days, we went from a 74 accuracy on the placement of those fiducial points to over 90%. And we are today close to 97%. It's very much when we talk about uh, artificial intelligence, it's very much the way the top cardiologists will be able to identify those fiducial points in, a, in an ECG. So when people talk about, you always have to start a company and partner with smart money. Well, this is as smart as it gets because yeah. it's an investor that understands healthcare, but then also it's an investor that has a vision to transform healthcare that is very much synergistic to what we want to do. And of course, his vision is is a, a way beyond my my vision today and i'm i'm very proud to have a partner like that yeah what what's exciting you know from from you know all the companies that i hear about or look at or work with and and just understanding the industry is what what you're really creating is sort of this platform you know, a lot of people talk about platform and some of the platforms they're starting to get um wide which is which is very appropriate wide meaning able to cover a lot of different areas. So you have a single platform that can cover a lot of, of healthcare today, not just a niche particular area, but they're very thin, meaning, yeah, they, they're very surfacey. So they're good. I'm not saying anything negative. I'm, in fact, I, I'm, I've been a big cheerleader, a big fan of us moving to platforms with virtual capabilities for hospital at home and things of that nature, just as we have with ERPs you know, 30 years ago and with EHRs, frankly, uh, perhaps 10, 15 years ago. And, but what makes this unique is that you're very, uh, the breadth and depth of this new offering with Adjuver is, is pretty incredible because we're talking about very serious science being applied here. So the, the clinical efficacy and, and the, the depth of knowledge and wisdom uh, surpasses anything that, that we've seen in the marketplace uh, so far. And to bring that now, uh, not only from you know the ICU environment to mobile, but now to home is what makes this really, really unique and and really, really exciting. I think for the industry to see this finally happen. You know, we've talked about this for a long time, and we're starting to see the fruition about through it. And Adjuver seems like the the company that may be leading the way to have that not only the breadth that I just mentioned, but the depth. So. That's really, really exciting. And, you know, because we're all about not only to help out, as as the name implies in Latin, but Alan, just like you've been doing for years now, is really saving lives and increasing the quality of life uh, for others. So really exciting. No, thank you. And, and if I can mention something about um, it, it, our platform and how we're going to leverage that to virtually care for patients, acute care patients throughout the continuum of care. It is true that we have been in this field for for more than a decade, and, and we have built the next generation concepts of platforms. Everybody talks about platforms. The reality is that every application should have a platform 
that supports the basic functions. The fact that two vendors have platforms, it doesn't mean that they cannot coexist. It is the tools, the engines that they use to drive their applications. But we consider the platform as the place where you collect the data and you process it. It's extracting knowledge from the data. And then you have analytics tools, which is where you extract the wisdom from the knowledge. And then you have to deliver actionable insights using visualization tools such as mobile technology. So now we're leveraging all that that we develop with our customers at Airstream. And now we are really looking at following patients from the hospital to the home, but to really concentrate on acute and semi-acute care patients, starting hospital, post-acute care transition, and smart acute care at home. Yeah, no, it's... It's it's really exciting. I, I I've mentioned many times in this podcast previously that that's definitely where we're heading. Let me ask you this, Alan, because one of the one of the pain points when I speak to health systems around the world and even governments is okay. The technology is 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 there or arriving, but it's how do I actualize this? How do I execute this? Because I don't know necessarily how to do it, or I don't necessarily have the clinical staff to be doing all this hospital at home and virtualization and things like that. So how does Adjuvere address that, you know, this this gap for many that don't have the clinician firepower behind this? A very good question. If I, if I look at one of the most important lessons we learned uh, during COVID, right at the beginning of COVID in New York. It was actually at Memorial Sloan Kettering. It was Dr. Neil Halpern, the chief of critical care. When we were all hit with the news that there was this pandemic coming our way, and they were the first ones to get this, I called him and I said, what can we do? We bring the technology to you, but you understand the clinical workflows. And he said, Alan, I need to accomplish three important objectives, staff augmentation, staff collaboration, and staff protection. And he said, the Society for Critical Care Medicine has looked at this before, and we have a tier staffing strategy for pandemic. I'm going to use technology to do that. One ICU expert supports four teams of 24 patients each, 96 patients per ICU expert. If it wasn't because of people like Dr. Neil Halpern, we wouldn't know how to bring the technology into a situation like this. So it became very apparent to us as we started helping other organizations that the biggest problem was staffing (laughs) because we know that data gaps were exposed by COVID, but also staffing clinical staffing gaps are the ones that are going to stay there for dec- for years to come, at least. So our customers introduced us in this process to groups of doctors that supported them during these difficult times. And I'm talking about acute care doctors, emergency physicians, intensivists, hospitalists, neurologists, then nurse practitioners, 
telemetry technicians, physicians assistants, all those, all that ecosystem behind the scenes came to support all our, our organizations. It was that at that point that we realized we need to build something beyond Airstrip to be able to help out others in this moment of crisis. And that's why we started thinking we're going to bring, we're going to combine advanced technology and virtual acute care services. So we are going to be announcing as part of Adjuber partnerships with top acute care doctors. And we are going to offer the bundle of technology plus virtual acute care clinical services. This is, it's the only way to, to do things moving forward. Yeah, that, that's fabulous because I know many hospitals and health systems struggle with that. And the way that you have it set up, Alan, if I understand it correctly, you're not competing against hospitals. This, this is complimentary. These are hospitals that have asked for, for some assistance and, and you help them, you, you adopt their, uh, you know, their protocol, and then you return the patient to them at the end of this episode. So it's, it's not a, if I understand it correctly, it's not a competitive yes. thing, it's a complementary strategy. Yes. It, the beauty is that today I have 470 hospitals deployed with our virtual acute care technology. And that the universe for those customers is about 2,000 hospitals. So I have access. My universe today is of approximately almost half of the country. It is those customers, those hospitals that are teaching me how to move to the next level and to do it with them, not competing with, with them. Right. It is true. They are right now for helping telemetry with technology and staffing. They're looking at us, helping them to bring technology like body sensors into medical surgical areas, the general words, so we can monitor patients in those areas the same way they're monitoring telemetry or in the ICU. They're asking us to follow a subset of those patients into the home with the same type of technology that gives us the biomarkers that are needed for a specific disease or clinical condition. But keep that consistency of the user experience, having doctors and extenders looking at a patient in a medical surgical area and at home, following the patient home. And then at the time they're stabilized, probably 30 days after a discharge, as you said, they're back to the system. Right. Yeah. Because hopefully they're back to the normal life. Yeah, you didn't, and I appreciate the fact that you didn't throw out all the normal buzzwords, but but for those for, for our listeners that are are into some of these buzzwords, what, what you've really been talking about and explaining uh, during the course of our discussion on Adjuver is that uh, it's human-centered design, and it's really focused on two experiences, the clinician experience uh, and making sure that's the best it can be, and the patient experience. And uh, and that's the design work that that you've all put into the product over the years. So this is fascinating. We're, we're happy to be just a part of, of this announcement, and, and uh, we'll definitely, Alan, have to uh, have you back in six months, in a year, kind of check in on on the progress and how things are going. Uh, but it sounds really exciting. And so we've talked in the last 30 minutes, Alan, about, you know, just uh, Gregorian chant. Uh, we talked about sort of leadership lessons from a CEO point of view, leading digital companies. 
uh, that we focused this last half on Adjuver. Is there something that we uh, didn't touch on or something we did touch on, but you want to double down on uh, in terms of uh, what you're doing? Yes, um, definitely. Thank you. I would say that if I had to double down on something, is again about the journey and the people you meet throughout the journey and the importance that all those people bring into your life. And also, never forget those that sacrifice their lives for us. And I just, we don't have a video on this a podcast, but for you that you can see me, we built a bracelet that I wear every day, which is honoring the 4,500 healthcare workers that died during the, the pandemic, sacrificing their lives to take care of all of us. So I think it is important as we continue this journey for transformation that we stay connected to the customers, we stay connected to the patients, but never forget all the people that contributed to this incredible transformation. Yeah, that's that was a, that's a powerful way to end. Uh, and that's so cool that a, a company and a CEO would be so missional and so focused uh, to do that as a daily reminder. I, I do see the bracelet and that's that's pretty cool. I've not, I've not seen or heard of a company or leader that's done something like that before. So uh, that's pretty cool, Alan. In addition to a great uh, product, you're just a good, a really good person and great leader. And, you know, I'm happy to have met you too along the way and, and this journey like you talk about. And Sydney's the luckiest of all, right? Because she gets to meet like fabulous people like yourself, you know, on a, on a weekly basis at a minimum. So she's going to be so well connected as she uh, continues her career uh, in healthcare or maybe in, uh, in fostering um, pets in the, or dogs in the future. So, Beautiful. all right. Well, that wraps, wraps us. And thanks again, Alan, for being part of our podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much.